0: Right, welcome back to the fire, everyone. Hope you brought your hit dice and some s'mores. Gotta have the mm-hmm. s'mores. Delicious s'mores. I mean, you gotta... It's a fire, bro. You gotta have s'mores. But you gotta toast them just right. like Right before they fall off. Not quite melted. Not quite... Not quite solid.
1: Are you one of those monsters that just catches your whole marshmallow on fire?
0: No, man. You gotta... The etiquette, bro. You can't just I know, I know, we'll
1: probably lose some fans because of that, but I see people do that, and I'm like,
0: "What are you doing? Why are you burning your marshmallow?" <laughs> see, in my opinion, people that light their marshmallow on fire are too impatient. You gotta, it's a yep. slow game with s'mores. There's no quick s'more.
1: It it is about impatience because you're like, "I need this cooked now," so let's burn it. And then just rip off all the bad stuff and then
0: eat the good stuff. Right. Exactly. I don't know. Even even when I did burn it, though, I still ate that char. (laughs) You know, I made the mistake. I'm paying for it. You got to eat your mistake. Exactly. It's like, I did this. These are the consequences of my actions. I got
1: to eat it. It's like in a restaurant when you drop a glass. You got to eat the glass. I don't. Quite think that's how that works. Sure it is. I'm. Pretty, I mean, you've worked in the restaurant industry. You know.
0: I used to manage restaurants, and I've never known of this rule, Mike. I, I, I think I, we worked together for quite a while. I'm glad you never broke a glass when <laughs> I was around.
1: Why do you think I was so good at not breaking glasses?
0: So you didn't have to eat the the shard remains of it.
1: No, I was. I'm trying to think. There's a TV show that 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 was like a skit in. I mean, there are glass
0: eaters. uh,
1: No, it was like it was in a TV show. It was like a cartoon show. It was like Family Guy or like I want to say it was um, in Clone High, if you ever watch that. No, but it was like someone was working in the restaurant and they dropped the glass and they had to like put all the glass in a, a little container and then eat it all.
0: What dark machination (laughs) TV shows were you watching?
1: I think it was, I think it was clone high, which was like this. I, you know, after that
0: description, I'm not upset that I missed this show. Apparently it's actually super funny. You should watch it. I don't know. They're making people eat glass. Well, it's just one part of one episode. (laughs) You say so. (laughs) But you know, talking about fire, talking about s'mores, we got uh, not quite fire. But uh, I was just
1: gonna say that we have some dragons today. Dragons say dragon dragon menu. Dragon or dragon, or dragon, dragon. Something across your face. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, we were talking about the blue dragon, right? Blue dragon. Blue dragon. The storm That's not really dragon. fire, though, right? Yeah, fire and lightning and. I mean, it's got breath
0: attack. It's just breath of lightning. Right. It's just, I mean, I guess you could make a s'more out of that. That's a pretty instant s'more. We just talked, you got a slow <laughs> game. Yes, that's instant char. It's perfect for the people who like the charred. If the s'more survives, <laughs> the uh, getting close to a blue dragon.
1: The lightning bolt that gets hit yes. when you get close to the dragon.
0: That's like the classic cartoon. You got a a s'more out or a marshmallow I should say on a a metal stick and you just oh I'll I'll get that for you and then you just see the bones flashing as they get electrocuted (laughs) that would be pretty funny I like that visual perfect temperature
1: it's perfect and then it's a charred skeleton but the marshmallow is perfect and they just pull it out of their hand like
0: delicious they eat it and it just falls through their ribs that's too good though. I mean that's a badass dragon. I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna roast your s'more.
1: I think he's too busy to roast my s'more.
0: Probably. He's also usually an evil alignment. So he'd just eat it? Probably. If he did roast it, well it'd be because he roasted you and then he ate you and the s'more. So that's the question. The dragon
1: is evil but lawful, neutral. Well, I don't know the norm for a dragon, a blue dragon
0: a blue dragon i'm pretty sure i think it depends on the edition you're talking about mm. because i think the first incarnation of it was lawful evil so it, you're right it, it lived by its own code of conduct but it was still evil right but yeah i mean it would uh you know roast both of you because he has his own code but he's evil So I guess maybe you might get away with it if you didn't upset him whilst you were roasting the s'mores around him.
1: Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I'm never quite sure what differentiates lawful evil from neutral evil. I feel like they're so close.
0: I think that is the biggest uh, uh, big part of it. Neutral evil is they don't really care, but they're going to – They're just gonna do things their way, but they don't really care if it's good or bad. Whereas, Mm. like lawful evil, I feel is more like, "This is my code of conduct," but it's always if you break a rule, I break you. Well, not even that. It's like my code of conduct leads towards darkness. Hmm. You know. That makes Uh, sense. So, So like a really a really nasty
1: thief will be lawful evil. Right. As the the thieves code, but the thieves code is a evil thing per se.
0: Right. All their actions are evil actions, but they have a code. They live by doing those actions. I so, gotcha. So neutral evil is almost better than lawful evil. Because at least neutral evil, there's a chance that you can convince them to do something. Whereas uh, lawful evil, they're pretty stuck in their
1: ways. All right. And Chaotic Evil are just crazy. We don't even want to get close. Not even a little. Anytime I imagine Chaotic Evil, I just think Joker from Batman.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: classic. (laughs) epitome of a Chaotic Evil character.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's no better Chaotic Evil. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Blue Dragon gets way more interesting after 3rd Edition, though. I mean, I know we were talking about a little bit before mm-hmm. it has like it starts, you know, different sizes, you know, different ages go with those sizes because mm-hmm. because there are different sizes there's different challenge ratings on it, which.
1: Yeah. And they just know. start from, oh, this is kind of a powerful thing to holy crap. What am I fighting right now? And why am I even here?
0: Right, right. So it's just uh, a badass all around. They they trimmed it down a little bit between fourth and fifth edition. Not as much, you know. I think it only has four forms in fifth edition, whereas in third edition it had, I want to say like thirteen. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I was twelve or thirteen, something like that. Yeah, just like different age group because you had like the basically like a larva. A wormling, and then a very young, young, juvenile, adult, you know, old, ancient, and then the the great worm. It's
1: just crazy to think, because it's very true. A dragon is something that is hundreds of years older than you, Mm -hmm. maybe thousands, depending on, you know, the lore in the game. A wormling is, you know, 20, 30 years old or something like that, whereas Mm -hmm. a. Great worm or whatever the the largest form is, will be a dragon who's been living for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Right. So not only is it gigantic, but it's also super intelligent. Mm-hmm. Has all that experience built up. Luckily, in my fairly small D and D experience, <laughs> comparatively, I have not had to fight one of these yet uh, we'll see you just, give me, uh, just give me a level 20
0: <laughs> you're going to need it especially I want, a, if I an want a level
1: 20 barb barb? yeah, barbarian <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> just,
1: give me four just attacks at least in a row
0: all of them, maybe a second win make it an eldritch
1: 1500,
0: knight. 1500 hit points Oof. you're going to need them just hope you don't fight it in its terrain. But we got a uh, uh, listener slash host of his own podcast uh, as a guest tonight, talking about the, our friend the Blue Dragon. His name's Tony. He uh, co-hosts a podcast called Yinzanat. Yinzanat. Yeah, you gotta say. You oh, gotta Pittsburgh. Say like a, yeah, you gotta, say, you gotta love it. We're gonna have him on today and gonna be enjoying his take on his favorite monster being the blue dragon all right and how he i'm likes excited it. and uh, i'm excited to see how
1: excited tony is about the blue dragon
0: i'm excited about it too i mean uh he's definitely got his way of explaining things from the yin's and Nat podcast which is fun it's a, it's a great if you ever want to learn about pittsburgh you listen to yin's and that you'll learn a bunch especially from uh our generation
1: before i moved here my wife was like you just got to listen to the pittsburgh accent and i <laughs> was like i'm pretty good at picking up accents but pittsburgh accent is impossible to try to pick up and copy <laughs> unless you live here it's just it's the hardest Thing i've ever had to try to copy and i still can't
0: do it yeah uh, but see here's the thing the, i think the reason why you can't copy the pittsburgh accent correctly is because you talk real good and I talk real you, good you can't talk good when you talk in a pittsburgh accent i right? mean you like you go out of strip you, you talk like guess it, uh, it's like a mix between boston and jersey
1: yeah that's the that's the tough part is like both boston and jersey are kind of their own accents and then you got this pittsburghese like right in the middle and it's not quite either it's its own thing and it's got its own lexicon you know all these different words that are just like gum bands and yins and (laughs) yep just all sorts of other stuff that I never even heard until. Oh, slippy! That's another one that I learned.
0: What if it's slippy? It's slippy. I don't know what. It's, it's slippy. It's slippy outside. It's slippy, man. You go. You just don't want to slip the water around the washer, all right? Right. But uh, why don't we? Uh, why do we ask Tony how he's doing? Uh, let's let's uh, bring him in. All right. Sounds good. Hey there, Tony. How you doing?
2: Doing all right. How about yourself?
1: Doing pretty well. Excited that you could uh join us for our interview talking a uh, little bit about D and D, kinda nerding out.
0: Sure thing. Sounds like it'll be fun. Yeah, we were just uh we were just discussing uh your Yinz and Nat podcast. <laughs> uh Mike was explaining how he can't fully grasp the uh, nuances of the Pittsburghese accent. Uh, I, I cannot
1: I cannot figure it out. I can pick up accents fairly well with kind of my voice act, minimal voice acting I've done in the past. But I tell you what, Pittsburghese, that's, that's a tough one.
2: <laughs> well, there's a little bit of it there where you're, you're missing the TH of like that. So that's like a good first step. If you're like just talking in that, you got to go down there and downtown and you just all the THs that come around, you just forget them. They don't show up.
0: Don't even worry about it. You know. It, Don't even uh, worry about it. They're are not going to be there for you. It shortens your words, <laughs> makes it easier to talk. It's right. <laughs> you got to save time. Save time. Yep. Talking. We're busy in Pittsburgh. <laughs> you got to really get across your anger and disposition for construction and tunnels. You ain't got <laughs> time for all these letters.
2: <laughs> no, nah, the wash, the washing machine back home is ready. I gotta get out there and make sure my laundry and the wash is in the right one.
0: Exactly.
1: Oh man, I can't do it. <laughs> you get there. maybe if I you do, an, I just have to practice more.
2: Well, yeah, that that and watch like the evening news when they have the interviews of the man Ugh. on the street, and yeah, you'll you'll catch on pretty quickly because it's just grating.
1: My wife got me into the Pittsburgh Dad YouTube channel. Uh, I think that's what, it's, that's what that's yeah, what it's yeah. called,
0: Pittsburgh Dad,
1: and hilarious. <laughs> mm.
2: One of my cousins is actually pretty good friends with him. And, oh, cool. uh they. This was about three years ago now. Three years ago, uh, he he was at their wedding. He was in their wedding party and uh, did kind of a little speech for them and stuff. But he didn't do it in character, which was funny because I think that whole crew is like, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. It's a character. We're, we know, you know, they're so used to it.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. You can do a Pittsburgh accent and
0: you're famous for it. So, okay. Just just be yeah. normal, John. <laughs> I, I ain't got nothing wrong with that. I ain't nothing wrong with that at all. But it, I, everybody's got their own their own flair. Uh let's uh talk about we we're just talk about some dragons and some roaches and some smores with lightning. Uh I hear tell that your favorite monster is a blue dragon there, Tony. That it is,
2: yeah. I like the flexibility that the blue dragon provides. Mm. So, I like the environment. You know, they're at home in deserts, so you have that kind of sandy motif. Um, Anakin hates it, so that's a plus in my book. Right. It it allows for not so much a focus on the blue dragons. If you don't want it, you can also kind of spin it off to like the Alcadim universe. Uh, go with some mummies if you want the kind of sand dune ruins, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can play around with to lead up to the blue dragons. And then blue dragons, how do you want to attack the party? Do you want to come up from burrow through the sand and come up and get them? Do you want to fly above and shoot lightning down at them? Do you want to shapeshift and you know speak with them and dominate them and manipulate them as a humanoid? There's a whole bunch of different things you can play around with and it all melds together to make really what is kind of an arrogant twit who is <laughs> so full of himself and it's incredibly fun to play that because you know dragons as a whole look down on everything else, they're just superior. This specific type, I don't know, there's something about it where you know you have the sadism of the black dragons, the idiocy of the white dragons i'm not smart enough to play a a scheming green dragon
0: and then red dragons are
2: just brutes blue dragon seems to fit just in that sweet spot where Mm -hmm. it's really enjoyable to play and it provides a whole bunch of different avenues for you to throw different challenges at the party
0: i I think that, that that's definitely a good point and uh the, the adaptability to it is great for uh, a storyline as well because if you want, it, you know how hard it is to steer a, a party one way or another whenever you're doing something, but that the uh, the Blue Dragon has a final big baddie during a dungeon is, okay, well, they didn't go in the dungeon. They went above the dungeon. You can still have a battle. Mm-hmm. They didn't go above the dungeon. They went in the dungeon. You can still have a battle. Because uh, it's uh, that adaptability to change dynamics while still keeping the general pretenses you were looking for when you plan something like that out, I think is real key. And uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. I mean, that blue dragon, like you said, it's one of the one of the uh, most adaptive dragons, especially considering it can fight just as well in the air as it does burrowing in the ground. Yeah.
2: Add on the lair actions that it has in 5th. Specifically, some of the initial... You're in the cave and, oh, that's right. You need to be able to move around unimpeded. Uh, Here's a sandstorm that just falls in your face. And now you're buried up to the neck in sand. Good luck getting out of that. And it can do that like constantly. Mm -hmm. So crippling the party in the lair itself while this thing just arrogantly laughs at you as a dm that's pretty damn fun to play
1: yeah i mean ethan and i were discussing a a little bit about how even looking at some of the younger smaller dragons uh as a blue dragon they're still powerful and and across the whole just dragon list all the different chromatics all of them are powerful even when they're young but then when you get these big great worm dragons or ancient dragons they're coming at your party able to take out super high level people if you're not smart enough and you don't work together in the right way um and you don't know how to counter some of these automatic attacks that they have with their especially the blue dragon with their lightning auras and the you know fighting against their different resistances and and you know dealing with some of these varieties of different attacks you know they have slashing they have bludgeon damage they have you know lightning damage they have everything like that so it is true it's a very versatile enemy that can attack you in so many different ways that you're really not prepared for and you kind of as a player that's how I'm looking at it um, you have to be able to think on your feet and really come up with a creative way to attack it with everyone in your party and and make sure everyone's supporting each other in the right way to kind of move through that battle.
2: Definitely. And I think as a party, in order to defeat not just a blue dragon, but any dragon at all, you have to think at least three steps ahead of it, which is difficult because it's an iconic monster. They don't call it Dungeons and Kobolds. (laughs) <laughs> they don't call it Dungeons and Goblins. Like, it's a dragon.
1: But there's two... so many goblins. It should be Dungeons and Goblins.
0: I think, I I think that, was, that was definitely, you, you know, that between Gygax and, and there's maybe some, a couple of, like, what if we called it Dungeons and Goblins? Like, you know it was thrown out, though. Everybody was like, yeah. no, no. What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> right, dungeons
1: <yeah. laughs> and Mind Flayers. No, that doesn't work.
0: Right, Dungeons
1: yeah. and taverns, maybe. <laughs> Shelf that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Put a pin in that. We'll talk about that one later. But hear me out. Dragons.
1: Ooh. <laughs> yes. See? <That> shivers down <laughs> shivers, your spine. I mean, hey, '70s, man.
0: '70s that is like prime time. Give that Absolutely. guy, give that guy a raise. Uh, <laughs> you don't pay us, double it.
2: Yeah, double it. Yeah, the the dragons don't fight unless they choose to. And they always have backup plans of backup plans of contingency plans. So as a party, if you want to beat this thing, you need to have a significant plan. You've got to have your stuff together to make sure that it's stuck there. It doesn't have a choice but to fight you if you want all the goodies that come with its lair.
1: So you think most parties when they're playing will never be sort of surprised by a dragon or you would hope, I guess, (laughs) that a a dungeon master is not going to be like, oh, by the way, in this cave, there's a, there's a blue dragon.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, sure. If you're basically throwing together a quick, uh, learning curve dungeon crawl, then sure, you can throw together a Gygax dungeon and just have a bunch of random things in random places just to see if it'll work. But if you're running a specific campaign with a story arc and you want to bring out some character role-playing as well, the players should never be surprised that a dragon is in a place and attacking them. There should always be a build-up because if that dragon is being played intelligently by the dm there's a whole lot of varied different encounters that come up from very early i mean you can set the stage very early with various types of manipulation and it doesn't even have to be direct the players could encounter you know a a grand vizier who is being manipulated by the blue dragon and you know Hmm. through a couple of different levels they're seeing the machinations of that blue dragon and getting hints of it someplace. Like it's legendary. It should be a storied enemy out there, maybe behind the scenes, pulling some of the strings, maybe being seen out in the wilds flying high off on the horizon or something. But there's always going to be something that will hint to its presence. You don't just kick in a double door and suddenly like, Oh, Sorry there, uh Mr. Blue Dragon. We really didn't mean to intrude, but can we
1: steal your loot? You have a lot of gold in that hoard right there, and I just i I need to fill some of that up we We have a a bag that can just hold it all, so let's let's go you're right, yeah, yeah.
2: I have I mean... a portable hole that I can just throw all of this gold I'll just clean up your lair for you and get rid of all this pesky gold. How does that sound
0: right yeah, I mean. It... You're absolutely right. I mean, especially if you even I should say especially the pre-written campaigns that you can get. Like there's always always clues. Like there's there's no way uh uh cuz the dragon's almost a deity. Like to a certain degree, especially the ancient ones. So you're not just going to run into it and there's not going to be either a statue or, you know, some form of worship, some form of Uh, reverence from the local environment around them but uh i mean hey i mean you could be rolling with a squad of barbarians and uh they don't know how to ask questions i suppose kicking kicking (laughs)
1: down doors no passive perception (laughs) right just breaking everything and running around killing stuff
2: knocking over tables being basic murder hobos um, they might run into like a dust devil or a sandstorm on the way to the lair at some point, but are they going to make that connection? <sighs> they're barbarians. There's no connections there.
0: And at that point, if they're murder hobos and they're doing all that, you probably want to wipe the party anyway. right? <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would kind of agree.
0: <laughs> I don't want
1: just I'm just imagining six just people that all decided to play barbarians of different, of different, you know, races. And they're just like, you know, let's just go kill everything. And they're just running around and they're just leveling because you have six barbarians that never die. And they just go, they just run in with, you know, broadswords or axes or, you know, maces, and they just are crushing everything in their path and kicking in doors and oh man, now that I'm talking about it, I kind of want to get six people together <laughs> to, to, to do it.
2: As, as a mechanic experiment, that would kind of be fun because if they're all raging, they're all taking half damage, which means as a DM, you can throw everything and the kitchen sink at them. However, there are some significant vulnerabilities like the mind flares we spoke yeah. of earlier. If you don't have brains to eat, you're pretty much dead. So... A single mind flare gets in there and psychic damage and eats their brains, and now they're barbarian zombies.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the mind flare is probably like the biggest the biggest thing because they won't pass any checks when it comes to.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> when you have a negative five on all of your wisdom checks. You right.
0: Yes. You want to. <laughs> and your only defense against a mind flare is wisdom check. You either roll a nat 20s or you're dead. Right. <laughs> Ooh, I got
1: I got a 14 minus 5. <laughs> nope, that doesn't get
0: that doesn't cut it. Does a negative 7 get me anything? Is that? It, is it even possible? Can you do that? It's it's know. like golf. You get the lowest score and that wins, uh, right? That I feel like that would definitely be the argument at some point. Yeah. Well,
1: we can all agree that the game would be over or or the, you know, party would be over and quite a quick
0: run. I, so I mean, unless the DM really wanted to humor him. Yeah. I mean, I if know, everybody's
2: man. in on that game and the DM is like, I'm going to throw this stuff at you because this is going to give us a laugh for a session or two and then get to you, you know, the actual game. Absolutely. I love running kind of one shots like that, where mm-hmm. you have a significant possibility of a TPK, which is cool if everybody's on board with it like right there at the table with a bunch of other people and i have been in situations where it was the dm versus the group and almost without exception that environment sucks Mm. when you're there with a group of people and the dm is in the mindset of i just want to make this fun it's challenging and i want to throw some neat problems at you to solve and the party is all on board with it so there is that kind of cooperation going on that's when dnd is the most fun
1: yeah that's when when they're all kind of you know working together and and your role as the dm is to you know have those challenges come up but continue to kind of grow the party from those challenges and make a kind of fun experience and if it is like you said a, a one-off or uh, just a couple sessions doing something crazy like uh all barb run um you know you uh are giving them that that i guess playground right you're creating this playground for them and you being part of it and and just help guiding them along is super important and really helpful i think for for some players you know that would be a great way to bring somebody in that may not be as familiar and just want to have some just wants to have some fun
0: yeah it's definitely, definitely. uh definitely a part of that and i think that's the key though it's got to be a one-off like you, you can't Nobody wants to do that is it like whenever you have a main that you always play and then you have your backup with your backup you don't care You you don't care that you're you know you just like you said you're having fun, and everybody dies. Okay, I'll roll another backup. You don't want to do that to the guy that you spent the last seven months building into your perfect swashbuckler, and like you know what I mean. Like Mm -hmm. you don't. That's not the guy you take those chances with. Right.
1: Yeah, you have.
0: You're just not
2: living on the
1: edge, man. You're just not living on the edge.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yolo
2: oh boy yeah when you have that specific character that you've molded and sculpted through a bunch of different uh scenarios it does suck to have that character wiped out it's been done before everybody's kind of experienced that series of terrible roles and suddenly now your character's dead what happens Mm -hmm. does the party have the means and to resurrect you maybe if you're high enough otherwise uh sorry break out the the sixes and roll some more ability stats because you need a new character. Mm -hmm. But if you have it done right in those large arcs, man, having a character die can be the very definition of Epic. What is that character living for? Does that character die in some kind of big heroic explosion Mm. that can be just as cool to retire a character as it would be, you know, let's see what they're going to do with the next uh, episode or the next session here. That's going to be talked about for that group for a long time in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's, it's all about timing with that though. I mean, there's got to be a good reason for it. Like, yeah, yeah. like you, can't, you can't be the only ranger in a group of barbarians in a, in a one shot and kill your character. But if through the story arc, it makes sense that because this happened, you know, yada, 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 like that it's almost fulfilling because it's like Mm -hmm. you said, it's like you care so much about this character, but it's like, yeah, it sucks because you're losing part of something you created with, with other people. But it's also, it meant so much in that moment. It made so much sense for this to happen, that it's acceptable. You're okay with it. It's like, it's almost gratifying that they went out that way.
2: Definitely. For, like, a long-form storytelling cooperation uh, game, characters need to die for a reason. There's there's Mm. escapism in playing Dungeons & Dragons. Mm. The real world is a little less merciful than that. Like, people can go in a snap, and that really, truly sucks. In-game, having your character go for no reason, or because, you know, a series of bad roles in a mundane situation, that absolutely sucks. The escapism and the epic quality to it really kind of dictates if you're on board with the group and everybody's into that same kind of storytelling uh, frame of mind, that epic death or that epic retirement or whatever the sacrifice might be it's part of the story and it's for a reason and it becomes part of the threads of not just the storyline but that group because as they move on to different characters they're always weighing their current choices against what happened previously
1: i actually was just thinking about something as as we kind of talked about that uh because we were already talking about the blue dragon and then now we're talking about people um you know dying in this glorious fashion i'm i'm imagining like a uh a ranger or something like that almost like a legolas moment mm-hmm. where the dragon like jumps off the edge of the cliff that they're up on top of this mountain or cliff and he just dives in because he just knows that it's the end and he has to for some reason and just is like on top of the dragon stabbing it You know, doing everything he can, throwing every single last ability at him. And then they come crashing down onto the ground and the dragon lands on top of him. But the dragon is dead and everyone else has survived up on the top of the cliff. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Something like that. (laughs) I mean, that's cinematic. (laughs) That is a really, really good example of this is a good, solid storytelling death that bonds and brings together the party knowing that it killed a major enemy this thing would have escaped and harried them for years and possibly the landscape for generations if this heroic ranger didn't sacrifice his life to do that so yeah that that's cinematic you know slow motion leap off the cliff stabbing with every ounce of strength as this thing plummets to the ground yeah that's pretty powerful at the table
0: uh definitely and uh i mean it's it's the same and that's part of everything and that's that's the greatest thing especially when it comes to to all this is you can have that moment whether you're working with off the rack dungeons or with one you created because it's not necessarily about you know the the happenstance that leads to this whether it be pre-written or not it's all about your emotions when it comes to that like your investment with the party about getting through this and making that because of a bad roll or because of this or because of that i mean it's almost strategy you you see the same strategy in uh magic gathering like you 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 can have a monster that you're very partial to that's maybe got you through a lot of battles that you really like a lot but because of this situation sacrificing it is the better way to go you know and that it almost makes it more worth the win at the end Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of having that that investment. But uh why don't we stop for a second? We'll uh have our our sponsor moment here and uh we'll be right back with uh with more from Tony, maybe some listener questions uh he can have us answer and uh go from there. Hello everyone. Just wanted to take a moment to shout out to some friends we think you should look up. They are all very talented and we hope you'll enjoy them too. First, thanks as always to Steph for the amazing custom dice we give out to Lucky Question listener winners. Go to Origin Story Dice on Etsy to check out her cool stock of dice or request your own color or size. She also has an Instagram under the name Origin Story Dice to check out her cool, already pre made designs. Now we need to mention Nicoletta of Nick's Find a great person putting out unique couture designs for all types of clothing as well as striking a great pose in her custom yearly calendar. You can find her on her website at nixcoffin.shop and on two Instagram accounts, nix_coffin_x, underscore coffin underscore x, also nix_home_shop. underscore home underscore shop, the latter where you can also get custom built home decor. I absolutely love the custom sign and TP holder that fits snugly next to my toilet in the bathroom <laughs> have to continue to shout out adrian wi-fi Yancey and his fantastic beats songs nothing but love for a very good friend and a very talented artist i hope you tune in to his facebook or his spotify drops as they continue to come out lastly much love to everyone in our discord especially sindoku for her contribution and faith in us from the start thanks everyone let's get back to the podcast All right, welcome back, everybody. We got Tony and some listener questions here going on. Hope you're ready, my man. Sure, shoot. Uh, do you happen to know the origin of the Blue Dragon? I know a little bit about this, but do you happen to know the origin of the Blue Dragon?
2: Not off the top of my head, no. All
0: right, so the the, the general origin of the Blue Dragon is the same as most most of that. Uh, like most dragons, I should say, is that it's almost like a magical being. It just came to be at the creation of the world. So it's nothing too crazy specific or anything but most of the dragons, they all have their elements and their you know, the metals and all that stuff. It it all came from the beginning of the world. So I always think that's pretty cool that dragons are more magic than uh, physical, even though they interact in the physical plane pretty pretty well Mm -hmm. so the magic of the magic just in the creation
1: of the of the world sort of coalesced all of these elements together these metals and gems and and flesh and and everything else into this extremely powerful being that is acutely in tune with the magic world and the physical
0: world yeah, well, yeah, but that's that's the thing, though. Like, these beings, when they first were created in the beginning of the world, I don't think they were as powerful, if I remember correctly. Like, it's because they were created at the beginning of the world, and it's been eons of evolution and, you know, ancient dragons mm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that's what led to them being the way they are. So, oh, okay. So that was uh, kind of part of a question from uh, Coffee Grandpa. Mm-hmm if I remember correctly. Yep. Shout out to Coffee Grandpa on mm-hmm. our Discord. On our Discord. Thank you for that one. Uh, I have another one from a good friend, Chanice. Uh, Mike, you know Chanice from mm-hmm. Franktuary. Yep. Uh, he asks, how did you get into uh, D&D, Mike? Or not Mike, <laughs> Tony. Uh, <laughs> I know we probably should have went over this a, a little bit earlier, but it's still a good question. What was, uh, what was the roots of the Tony D and D life.
2: All right, so how much time do we have for this? Cause it's a long story, actually.
0: I mean, go for it. You can go as long as you want. I don't know how much I'm gonna cut out. Yeah. We're gonna edit for time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so,
2: I'll keep it to the Cliff's Notes versions of this and just do kind of bullet points. Going back, That's how years, I got through high I, school. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of the cheat codes. Just give me the basics, and we'll fill in the blanks whenever we need it to uh when i was young probably seven eight ish uh my cousin bought me a book for my birthday okay you're seven or eight years old the hell am i getting a book for give me like he-man toys or transformers this is stupid and i tossed the book underneath of my dresser because there was a little bit of a gap there years later and i mean years like three to four years i finally cleaned my room and underneath <laughs> of that, For the I first found time
1: that, in three or four years. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. I mean, there were dust bunnies upon dust bunnies.
1: Oh, I'm the same way. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> they had so a I colony.
2: Up, right. Yeah. They just kept multiplying. And I finally got to the point where it was you know, tough moving around. But I did get this book out from underneath of it and thought, Oh, what the hell? What's the worst that can happen? I can read a book. And it was Richard Knack's Fire Drake. Ooh. so, cool cover on it dragon raw fighting a a guy in armor whatever but it was one of those kind of you just devour this thing in the afternoon it's a young adult thing it's not very deep and at the time i was a young kid i burned through that book in about two days i went back out to what was the predecessors of barnes and noble um walden books oh Walden. (laughs) yeah For the Pittsburgh crew, Century 3 Mall.
0: That's real old school.
2: Right. I went there, found their fantasy section, and just tore through the rest of that series and looked to see what else he had done. Prior to this saga of his, he had written for the Dragonlance Chronicles. Not the initial couple of books, but he had like The Legend of Huma and a couple of other books in that universe. Didn't know what Dragonlance was at the time. I picked that up and started reading through whatever he had and the initial books there, the Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman stuff. Next to those fantasy books, they had the old-school, orange-spined Dungeons & Dragons books. <laughs> Again, being an ignorant young teenager, mm-hmm. I picked up the Dragonlance one thinking, oh, it's a hardback. This is more stories in the world that I like. No, it was the core rule book for Dragonlance in the D&D kind of mechanics and boom, like a whole new world had opened up to me. I spent an entire summer's worth of allowances and lawn cutting fees and everything to get as many of these as I possibly could. Found some people at school, in the neighborhood who played, Uh, my next door neighbor had played a little bit and I had no idea. So dived in face first in everything. And it all stemmed from cleaning my room so, there you have it, kids. Clean your room. You something
1: know. something good will come out of it. You cleaned your room, you read a bunch of books, and you made a bunch of friends. I think that's, I think that's a good moral for cleaning your room.
0: Yeah,
2: that's just, yeah, that's <laughs> that pretty is,
0: consistent. I mean, you that went is on surprisingly an surprisingly wholesome. <laughs> it, it was an adventure. Yeah, you, you could have ran into a blue dragon cleaning your room after all these years.
2: Yeah, the state that it was in, there was a significant possibility of that happening.
0: Just
1: flying straight out from underneath all the dust bunnies, just burrowing right out from underneath. Right. What are you doing getting all these pennies out from underneath the dresser? Yeah, all those pennies
2: and rubber bands, that's the loot. That That is is the (laughs) lair
0: treasure. That's definitely, definitely a lair treasure.
1: It is. uh, I mean, it's it's always good to hear, too, because it's, uh, you know, when I talk to Ethan about this and um, when I've been kind of when we've been talking about, you know, getting some of these other interviews set up, uh, that seems to be a common thing with with any sort of game, you know, any sort of board game or card game or or especially Dungeons and Dragons is that you find out these people around you may have these hobbies that they think are taboo or they think other people will think they're weird for liking and you find out that you know hey maybe we're not so weird we all have these similar um hobbies and these similar you know ideas on how to have fun and and use our pastimes um you know and and from that you can grow these massive stories especially with D&D and you can build these massive friendships um, just from reading a book
0: right it's, right.
1: it's you know inspiring to kind of think that there's that human connection underneath all of it
2: yeah and especially thinking back to this is the time in the late 80s early 90s when there was still a significant stigma against Dungeons and Dragons I mean it had a very small shelf at Walden Books and we still heard things in the news at that time of people trying to get rid of it and abolish it entirely. So the folks who were really deep into it, that wasn't something they advertised. Like you didn't see people wandering around with Dungeons and Dragons t-shirts or, you know, now critical role merchandise. They have the earrings and the sweatshirts and the kimonos and all kinds of stuff, the Funko pops like here in today's world you can fly that flag and you can get a swarm of people to come up and just chat about that. Back in the 80s and 90s, that wasn't the case. You really kind of had to be guarded and kind of throw out code words maybe to see if anybody else picked up on your underground Dungeons and Dragons enthusiasm. And then, like you had mentioned, more people than you expected were actually enthusiasts and those groups got together and played the games and branched out a little bit more and tried other games that happened to ebb and flow like gurps and some of the other uh specific rule sets that came along, around the dungeons and dragons pathfinder um, but it took work to get those groups together and understand that you weren't alone
1: yeah, yeah. You sort of had to had to go around and be like, "Hey, man, did you uh, did you hear we might have a a a D and D speakeasy around? Is that like, are you into that? Is that something that you want to, you know, you want to hook up with?"
0: <laughs> yeah. What's funny is there there kind of is a D and D speakeasy here on the north side. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a. I don't even. I think I I tried to reserve before all, you know, it started getting serious with COVID again. I tried to reserve a room, like check their prices, but then like you can rent out the whole place and it's like a tavern in a, in a, uh, in a D and D campaign. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. We definitely need to check that out sometime, but that also leads into uh, the next question which is what's what's the most unexpected i guess we could all answer this and i'll go first as an example but uh what's the most unexpected thing about the blue dragon when you were first introduced to it mine was uh the terrain cuz when you think blue dragon like you think uh you know anime and all that stuff where it's like a, it's a water dragon it's like hundred like ice dragon like some some sort of liquid that it controls when it's like the exact freaking opposite because it lives in the desert. <laughs> There's like zero like I mean I know it's called a storm dragon because of the lightning, but still it's like that was the biggest flip whenever I was first introduced to a blue dragon was like we're in a desert whenever you interact with it.
1: Right, right. Um I think for me uh probably I mean, I didn't have much. I mean, kind of when we said that this was going to be the topic, I started doing a little bit of research just because I'd never run into it in any of my sessions Um, for good reason, because I don't think I have a character over like level five. (laughs) So I don't think I would ever want to fight a a blue dragon. But just the, the, the sheer amount, like all the different sizes you know and how they're different and how you can see the power grow from when they're a wormling or when they're a young dragon or a very young dragon all the way up to being a great worm you know there's there's such a wide gap in that monster itself but it's still powerful even at the basic level Mm -hmm. um you know, it's it's just crazy. Like, I can't even fully wrap my brain around how powerful some of the biggest ones are because I've never, ever been in a campaign where I was powerful enough to fight anywhere, anything near that level. Uh, so that was something that just kind of caught me off guard with, with just the sheer numbers I'm looking on the paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus 30, like plus 20 here, plus 15 there. I'm like, oh, my God
2: yeah roll to attack the hit is yes
1: yes i don't i don't need a
2: number yes
1: yes (laughs) yeah that's what that's what i was saying to ethan it was like oh okay yeah strength is 30 plus 10 so so you know okay so he rolls anything and it's it's a plus it's plus 10 plus whatever proficiency he has with all of his like magical attacks that gets kind of thrown on top it's uh, so you know as long as As long as you clear a 37 every time with your armor rating, I guess you're okay. Yeah, at
2: that point, as the DM, you just roll the 20 and make sure that it's still clattering when you just say, yes, it hits. You don't (laughs) even have to wait for the result. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, the most surprising thing about it is similar in a different vein to the terrain that you were talking about before. So we're in the desert, and early enough in kind of the D&D playing career, dragons belonged in caves or Mm -hmm. castle ruins or something that was solid. Having this thing just kind of vibrate up out of the sand and eat people whole, uh, yeah, that was a little surprising because didn't think dragons could swim through the sand, but blue dragons can, Mm -hmm. and they do it pretty well. So after hearing and seeing party members just get squashed from below when we're expecting well I mean at this point the the encounter was this thing came up from below and yeah just started tearing through us that was impressive because completely subverted expectations we were expecting to go and find some kind of pyramid castle or something out in the desert which wasn't the case
1: yeah that was uh, I will say that was definitely something that surprised me too I was like dragons fly and they can walk but i didn't realize that they could burrow and especially one that's you know lightning you know how how did that kind of come into the the skill set that it has burrowing Mm -hmm. through sand or burrowing through earth you know
0: it doesn't just burrow it burrows proficiently it right. does, yeah. <laughs> that's the key. Looking it, at the, it does at it the very well. Again,
1: I'm looking at the numbers again. It burrows better than it walks.
0: Yes. So <laughs> it is. It is better under the ground or in the sky than it is just standing on land. <laughs> that is the two things. Get it on yeah, a that's... rock and tie it down, and that's your only chance. <laughs> but awesome. Uh, those are great questions. We'll have to decide uh, who wins the question contest mm-hmm. uh, who gets the little Traveler's Pack prize that we have um, Tony you'll be getting one as well as our guest this week so Yay! <laughs> so be on the lookout for that um, <laughs> but I think we covered most everything uh, on Blue Dragons today it's a great great creature and great adaptability and uh, that's the biggest thing to take away from a monster like this is adaptability just like we were talking about last time. Campaigns have to adapt. That's the glory of these. You can do anything with them. You can follow the script. You can go off the script. Most of the time, people go off the script. And you Throw gotta, it in the trash. And you got to throw <laughs> them in a fear dimension. It's whatever. Yeah, you throw
2: a bunch of angels at them, and then they fall into a fear dimension, and they get stuck there for a while on a flying ship. And, you know... I don't want to be too specific or anything. Right. right no, of course. Just kind of a general scenario. It yeah. It
1: sounds like you guys, uh, you know, have similar imaginations.
2: Right. It's, similar it's, experiences. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a, a connection, I think.
0: Somewhere along that line. <laughs> but awesome. Uh, Tony, it was great talking to you. Uh, everybody listened to uh, Yin's and Nat. Uh, hopefully we can get uh, you back on for a later episode as well as your partner in crime andy
2: yeah absolutely Um, absolutely
1: yeah thanks uh thanks again for coming out and uh interviewing
0: with us we appreciate it
2: sure thing good to be here
0: yeah well that's it for the fire everybody it's burning a little bit low i hope you rolled enough hit dice for your next adventure and uh, we'll see you next time if you survive have a good night everyone